Are you glad to be in the Lord's house today? Amen. Let me tell you, I'm thrilled to be in the Lord's house today. I hate having to miss on any occasion whatsoever. And Don and I hated to have to miss last week, but we missed because of you. <clears throat> we wanted to keep you safe and uh, not make you feel uh, in any way that you were in danger. Uh, the week prior, I had been in the hospital a lot. I'd been in doctor's offices with various individuals and and somewhere along the line, I picked up the old big C, you know, and so I just thought, well, better stay away for one Sunday, it'll be all right. I knew the church would go go well, and, and you never miss quality-wise when it comes to when Pastor Jonathan preaches the Word of God. He is an excellent minister, an excellent preacher, and so I never, I never lose one minute's sleep, but... Yes, amen. That's right. <clears throat> but I also would tell you that it is, it is hard for me to sit on the couch and watch the live stream. A as much as I'm thankful that we have it and I'm grateful that we are able to uh, live stream our services for those people uh, who can't watch it any other way, <clears throat> it is hard for me to sit there and watch <clears throat> when my soul is connected in such a way with you. And to be here with you is one of the great joys and privileges of my life. So uh, anyway, Don and I missed you. We just looked at each other and smiled a little bit and said, boy, it'd be good to be at church. Not that I didn't want to be with her, but it's just I wanted to be with her and in church at the same time. I'll be truthful. I don't know how people miss two, three, four weeks at a time. And then, you know, it's one thing to be sick. It's another reason uh, you to not really have any reason at all. So uh, to be with you is a great joy. And I, I thank you for allowing us to be here today. And, and I know our crowd down is down just a little bit. Looks like these two sections aren't doing too bad today. But boy, over here, we, we got to get a prayer line going for this side. But we just have so much sickness and, and different things like that going around but guess what? The devil can't beat us. He can't destroy us. He can't come against us. He can't cause us to be failures. In Jesus' name, we are more than conquerors through him who has called us. And I'm glad to know that God is on my side. And if God be for me, who in the world can be against us? Amen. It's time for us to declare the good things of God. Amen. He is a positive God. He is a mighty God. He has brought a great blessing into our lives, and we have much to be grateful for today. Amen? So we're glad to see you today, and uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you and just ask you to feel right at home. Uh, we're just a bunch of people that just love Jesus. That, that's the bottom line. We just love the Lord, and sometimes we get beside ourselves just because the, the, the reality of how good He is and how good he's been to us, sometimes it just, it, we just can't keep it inside. It just has to come out of us. And so, you know, and I, I'm not ashamed at all of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not ashamed at all. Amen. Amen. You know, it's easy to say that when you're in the church house. But what about when you're in the grocery line? You know, not long ago, my faith was tested a little bit at the Kroger Pharmacy when I'm standing in line and there's people just everywhere and people are frustrated and, 
and upset, and, and, uh, and, and uh, I was getting ready to get a little frustrated myself, and I remembered that I was wearing a hat on my head that says expand. <clears throat> and, I, and I have people all the time ask me what those hats stand for because we uh, strategically took the, um, uh, the vowels out in, in particular locations so that you don't always know exactly what it means. But I've had people ask me, what does that mean? What does that spell? What, what's it about? And it gives me an opportunity to say, well, uh, I attend Spirit Life Church of God in Louisville, Kentucky, and we believe that as you experience Christ, that you have opportunities to expect the best at all times, to explore your faith in every situation, and to expand the kingdom of God, not only internally but externally. And they look at me like I've lost my mind. And I tell them, you know, don't knock it until you've tried it. Amen? Jesus is good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, get them close to you today. I'm going to share uh, various passages of Scripture with you today. Uh, when I was not here yes, uh, last week, I just told Jonathan, I said, just preach what you feel on your heart. Uh, I knew that I had about three weeks that I wanted to preach about uh, our mindset and our attitudes and, and our thinking. And if you'll remember two weeks ago, I talked to you about positive thinking in the sense that, you know, God is a good God. He's a positive God. And He wants us to be positive about life, even in difficult times. <clears throat> and uh, today, I want to talk to you about living in the overflow. I'm so thankful to Miss Donna and the choir today. I requested that song this morning, Living in the Overflow. I'm so thankful that we, the people of God, have the opportunity to live in the overflowing blessings that He has provided for us. Amen? You know, our country, our nation right now, our area as we drive through is pretty barren because the harvest has been taken in. Uh, the fields are just laying dormant right now. There are very few places where you can go where you still, still see soybeans in the field and corn in, in the field and things of that nature because the harvest has already taken place. <clears throat> but the reality is, is that those beans and that corn and all the other crops didn't just disappear. They were laid up somewhere so that we could live off of those over the next few months until the next harvest comes. And so we are literally in the natural realm. We are living in the overflow. We can call upon uh, the farmers almost any given time and get corn. We can get beans. We can, <clears throat> we can, I'm getting myself hungry here just talking about all this. But, I mean, we, we have it. It's there. It's laid up. It's in store for us. We are living in the overflow. And let me just tell you that in our Christian lives, we have to learn how to live and walk in the overflow blessings of God. You know, there are dry seasons. There are seasons when our, our spirit is, is, is uh, resting. We have driven the spiritual sap of our soul into our roots, and it's going to stay there for a while as it, as it, it replenishes our roots and makes us stronger in faith. But there's a day coming when that will be replenished and it will come back forth. And it will be a new season of harvest for us in our lives. 
And so today I want to talk to you about this idea of living in and planning for an overflowing harvest. And I want to begin with Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. But let's pray before we begin the message today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that I have this morning to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you will help me to speak in such a way that souls will be encouraged and lifted high, that our faith, Lord, will grow and expand, and that when we leave the house today that we will know that regardless of what our life looks like, whether it might look barren or whether it look, may look dry right now or what the case may be, that we have hope that there is a bright future ahead for us. And we can right now live in the overflowing blessings that you have provided for us. So, Lord, as we turn to your word today, open our hearts and our minds. Let us be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2014, we had a church meeting, and uh, the purpose of the meeting was to kind of look at our future of our church, to look to, to the future. And uh, I had been here at that time about four years, a little bit over, and the entire time that I was here during that season, people were asking, you know, what are we going to call our church? What are we going to name our church? Because we kind of had taken on a temporary name uh, just based on our location, Outer Loop Church. How many of you remember uh, those days, those four years when, when you referred to our church, we just call it, what's the Outer Loop Church? And what was happening was is that people were saying, uh, of course, where is that and what is that? Because Outer Loop stretches all the way across Louisville, and we don't know where that is, and you're going to have to explain to us. And so uh, we, we kind of thought maybe there's a way for us to better identify who we are in Christ, what we felt like that God was calling us to. And uh, I presented to you the opportunity for us to change our name to the Spirit Life Church of God. And uh, one of the passages of Scripture that we based that on was Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And I want to read that to you now. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It's talk about living in the Spirit. It's talking about having a life in the Spirit. And it talks about how that the Spirit life that we live in is one where we can expect to abound. How many of you know that we can expect to abound when we live in Christ? You know, and that's one of the reasons that we said, let's just determine right now, right up front, that we're going to expect the best at all times. How many of you know that we have the opportunity to choose what we expect? We can expect bad things. We can expect failure. We can expect just falling apart, our world falling apart. We can expect that. And you know what? Most of the time, what we expect will find its way into our lives. But I believe there's a better way for us to live, and that is to live in the expectation of the fulfillment of God's Word and His promises for our lives. So why would we waste any time expecting the bad things? Why would we waste any time at all expecting sickness and illness and 
family drama to, to arise in our homes and in our lives. Instead, why don't we just wake up every day and say, no, the blessings of God are yes and amen, and I am not going to receive what the enemy is going to try to put on me, but instead, in Jesus' name, I'm expecting the good blessings of God. I love Thanksgiving season because it is a time of celebration. It's a time of recognizing the good things that God has done in our lives. And so today I want to share with you three simple thoughts about this idea of living in and planning for an overflowing harvest. The first thing that I'd like to share with you is, is that we've got to learn how to take pleasure from the harvest. How many of you know that we, we should pleasure in the things that God has given us? You know, if you've been married to a spouse that loves Jesus and loves the Lord, you should pleasure in that spouse. You don't, there's no room for resentment when it comes to your family. If you sow resentment, you're going to receive it back. But if you sow love and if you sow appreciation, it will find its way into your relationship. And you will find a way to say, my, what God has blessed me with is amazing. You can look at your children and you can say, oh, what failures they are. They have never decided to live according to the way that I raised them. Or you can look at them and you can say, in Jesus' name, they were raised up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so at some point in their life, they are going to respond to the goodness of God. They don't have any choice because I planted it in them by faith. And I believe that God will bring home the prodigals. We've been praying it all year. God, bring home our prodigals. And I believe with all my heart that if we'll continue to believe that and pray that and expect that, that one of these days our sons and our daughters, they will walk through these doors and they will reclaim their relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God will gather them up and bring prophecy into their lives. And they will prophesy. And they will speak by faith the good things of God. And all that God has in store for us. How many of you are excited about the possibility of your family moving from dysfunction to delight? How many of you believe that this week, as we go to our Thanksgiving tables, that we don't have to dread going and eating turkey with someone that irritates a fire out of us? That we can go, though, with expectation knowing that God is going to be there with us. And He's going to allow us to love with an everlasting love and to take pleasure in the harvest of our families and know that God's goodness is wonderful. We've got to learn how to take pleasure from the harvest of our lives. Psalm chapter 126, verses 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You know what this is saying to us? It's saying that planting the seeds can be difficult. Raising children can be hard. Working in a secular environment can be difficult. All the things that we find ourselves having to do in this world can be hard for us. 
But what he is saying here is that even in the difficulty of planting the seed, we can look forward in knowing that there's coming a day when the seed that we sow will bring forth a plentiful harvest. Amen. You may be responsible for seeing men and women that you work with saved and brought into the kingdom of God. You may be the one that speaks a word of thanksgiving and joy and victory into somebody who is discouraged and feel like they're not going to make it another day. But because of your testimony and because you're willing to share what God has done in your life, it has the ability to change their life as well. That's the reason we have a responsibility as the people of God to shut our mouth when we find that the only thing we're doing is just going through life discouraged and defeated and frustrated and letting it spill out of our mouths. The Bible tells us that we cannot allow cursing and blessing to come out of our lives and out of our mouths simultaneously. So if you hear yourself, I'm not talking about the dirty words. I'm just saying you can, you can curse life without saying one inappropriate word just by your mentality and just by your attitude. But listen, you have a choice. You can either be down and out and discouraged and defeated, or you can say, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know that the God that I serve is going to come through on my behalf, and so I'm just going to go ahead and take pleasure right now in knowing that He's never let me down and He's not going to start now. Amen. We've got to take pleasure in the harvest. The harvest represents the culmination of hard work. Listen, how many of you know being people of faith is not an easy task? We have to work hard at it. We have to be faithful. It's, it, it, it represents God's blessings coming into our life. It is an occasion to rejoice and celebrate God's faithfulness. That's one of the things I love so much about Thanksgiving. It's a time set aside for us to be grateful for what God has already done. You know, yes, we can look forward to the future, but how many of you know God has already done great things in our lives? I've heard people say, well, if God never did another thing for me, I'd have so many blessings now that I'd never get through them all. Well, the only thing is that's bad theology. Because you're never going to have a day in your life when God just decides to shut off the flow of blessing to His people. He's never going to look at you and say, well, I've blessed them enough. I've already given them more than they deserve. I'm going to keep blessing them in ways that they will not even be able to contain at all. I'm going to bless them in ways that they will look back on their yesteryears and they will say, man, I didn't think it could get any better than there, but look at what God has done. I take pleasure in the harvest of my life because of what He has done. You see, the pleasure that we derive from the harvest is not only the physical abundance, but also the spiritual growth that we experience. How many of you know that when you're planting the seed, sometimes you have to dig deep, <clears throat> sometimes you have to prepare the ground, Sometimes you have to step through a load of manure in order to get the, the ground ready to accept the seed. Sometimes you have to work hard. Sometimes you have to sweat. Some days you just don't know if you're going to be able to do it or not. But listen, once you've gotten that crop 
in the ground and the seed planted, you can step back now and say, God, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Now I just trust in you and know that you are going to bring this crop to harvest in my life. And I take pleasure in it. Somebody once said, that which was hard to endure is sweet to remember. Let me say that again. That which was hard to endure is sweet to remember. Let me just ask you, have you ever remember a time in your life that was really difficult? I mean, you didn't know if you were going to make it or not. You didn't know if the Lord was going to see you through or not. You didn't know if you had enough energy to plant one more seed. You just didn't know. It was hard to endure what you were going through. But listen, once you've been through it, and God has given you the sweet victory that you were expecting, you'll always be able to look back and say, at the moment, at the time, I didn't think I could make it. At the moment, at the time, I couldn't see the good that was going to come out of this. At the moment, at the time, I thought everything was rotting in the ground. But then all of a sudden, God showed up on the scene, and He began to do what had to be done to bring that seed to harvest. And now, I can look back on it with joy and with thanksgiving because what I I thought was impossible God reminded me that nothing is impossible with my God and he has saw me he saw me through and I came through it in Jesus name so this Thanksgiving we need to learn to take pleasure in our harvest secondly we have to learn to take provision from the harvest my wife through the years has made some wonderful, wonderful meals in my household. I mean, you can look at me and you can see that I haven't missed many meals. I've done all right for myself. You know what I hate sometimes, though, is that when we're going to have a dinner at church and she tells me in advance, I'm going to make such and such dessert for the dinner at church, and then she will say something like this, this is not for you. Don't touch it. How many of you know that it's really difficult? So there have been times that I've said to her, baby, could you just scoop just a little bit out and set it off to the side and then rearrange the rest of it so it looks like that, you know, that it's all there. It's never been touched. And occasionally she, she would do that for me. She would just set it aside so that I could enjoy a little bit of the provision listen god has given us great and mighty blessings in our lives proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 says honor the lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce then look at your neighbor and say then that's a conditional statement then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know, we don't mind having barns that are overflowing and vats that are overflowing with wine. We don't mind that at all. We like being able to know that we've got more than enough. This week, my wife made a grocery order at Kroger, and she told me, she said, you can go get it about 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. 
And we had already talked. She had said, go in the kitchen. I'm going to ask you if we have this, this, or this because I'm going to need that so that we can prepare our part of the Thanksgiving meal. We're going to Erin's house. She's going to do the lion's share of it. But you know how it is. When you go to somebody else's house, you bring a few items. And so she went in there, and she said, do we have this, and do we have this, and do we have this, and do we have this? And I, I said, well, we do have this, and we do have that, and we don't have that, so we need to order that, and then, uh, you know, you know how it goes. Well, I went to the grocery store Saturday morning, yesterday morning, and I got the groceries and bought, brought them home, and I'm setting them out on the countertop so that I can put them away. And uh, I, I don't know exactly what happened but she had evidently misunderstood what I said about the chicken broth because we already had three boxes of the chicken broth and we had one that was partially open, still, still in the refrigerator, and she'd order four more from the grocery store. So I'm counting this, and we've got seven boxes of chicken broth. If anybody needs any chicken broth... You run out. If they don't have it at Kroger, I've got a couple of boxes that I can sew into your ministry. But I, I kind of got tickled, and I said, I, I said, we've got seven boxes of chicken broth and one in the refrigerator. You know what she said to me? She said, oh, that's okay. She said, we'll use it in the future. <clears throat> and I, she didn't know what I was going to preach today. But I just thought to myself, that is a sermon illustration if I've ever heard one. You know, there are times in our lives that God puts blessing in our life and we wonder, why is He blessing me with that? Why did God decide to pour that into my life? Why did God choose this moment and this time to bless me with an overflow of that particular thing when I feel like I've gotten more than enough? Let me tell you why. It's because God is able to see the future and know that there's coming a moment in your time and in your life when you're going to need to be able to bring in some provision from a harvest that has already been brought in on your behalf. There's not going to be enough time for you to plant the seed. There's not going to be enough time for you to start the process of gathering the items that you need. It's going to have to come out of the overflow of the goodness of God. And the good news is is that He has everything that you need at the moment that you need it, and He will provide in advance what you have need of. you got to be willing to take of the provision of the overflow. Did you ever feel like that, well, God's been good to me. He's been too good to me. Well, listen, he's, if He's good to you, it's in response to your obedience and your faithfulness. I want to read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 to you again. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now let me tell you that the first seed that goes into the ground has to come from us. And God provides the seed, but we've got to be willing to plant the seed. If we're not willing to plant the seed, then there will be no harvest. But if we expect a harvest, we can plant the seed knowing that God will do supernaturally 
what has to be done to that seed to make it bring harvest in the future. So we've got to realize that God calls us to be good stewards of the harvest by honoring Him with our wealth and offering Him the first fruits of abundance. Now, what am I saying? I'm, I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't talk a whole lot about money, and you, you all have learned so beautifully through the years that God expects us to bring our tithe into the storehouse and to place it into the fund so that there can be meat in the house of God. We believe in tithing. We believe in giving. Just in the last few days, I've had people from our congregation call me and say, Pastor, the Lord has blessed me in a way that I did not expect. And I want to bless the Lord with the first fruit of this. It's not tithe. It's not a part of my salary. It's just that God has blessed me. He, he, has, he has put something in my life that I did not expect. And I, and I want to be able to give something to God as a thank you and for the, the future harvest that will come. You know, people who are, their provision comes from the harvest. They know how to prepare for the next harvest. And that's going to be my next point in just a moment. But we've got to be willing to put the seed in the ground. You say, well, are you talking about money? It can be money. There are times that God asks us to plant financial seeds into ministry so that it can function the way that it needs to. But you know, sometimes we have to plant a seed of forgiveness. There are people in our lives that have hurt us and they've said things to us that were unkind and unfruitful in our relationship. And there are times that we just want to forget who they are and just walk away from the relationship and just forget about all of those things. And what God expects us to do is to forgive them. There are times that He expects us to go to them and say, you know, I want our relationship to be strong. I want our relationship to be godly. I want our relationship to be divine. And that can't happen as long as there is some kind of uh, issue between us and relationship problem. And so I want us to get it right. I want us to get it under the blood. I want us to be together in unity because it is in unity that God sends His blessing. You find a church that is not in unity. You find a church that is not unified among the members. And you'll find a place that is not blessed by God. Because God says, I send my blessing to the place of unity. How good, how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that flows down the beard of Aaron. In unity, God says, that is where I send my blessing. So if you want your family to be blessed, if you want to experience a restored relationship, it's got to come through that kind of seed sowing where I'm going to sow a seed of forgiveness. You see, there are many ways that we can sow seed. And whatever it is that you need to experience in harvest of your life, then you're going to have to plant some seed. I know we got some college students that attend our church and I remember what it was like to be in college and how that I never wanted to study until it was too late to study. 
I mean, I, I like to just hang out with my friends and my buddies, and I like to hang out with Donna, and I like to just enjoy life. But there come a time when you had to say, I, I can't do that tonight, I've got to study. You know, I tried the old-fashioned way where you take the textbook and say, God, will you just transfer all this knowledge from this book into my head, do it supernaturally so that I can be a blessing to you in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> that never worked one time for me because it goes against the principles of harvest. Do you know what I discovered in my life? When I studied, when I put the time in, when I read the material, when I got with a group of people that wanted to study and not party, the, the, the information got into my head and into my mind in such a way that I could pass the test and do well. What I'm telling you is, is that we've got to understand that the provision of our life comes through a harvest that God sends into our lives. There is a theologian by the name of William Barclay who wrote this. He said, Blessed is the man who has realized his own utter helplessness and who has put his whole trust in God. If a man has realized his own utter helplessness, helplessness and has put his whole trust in God, there will enter into his life two things which are opposite sides of the same thing. He will become completely detached from things. For he will know that those things have not got what it takes in them to bring happiness or security. And he will be completely attached to God. For he will know that God alone can bring him the help that he needs and the hope that he needs and the strength that he needs. The man who is poor in spirit is the man who has realized that things mean absolutely nothing and that God means absolutely everything. How many of you know that God is everything in our life? Draw from the provision that He has for you. And then the final thing to say this morning is that we have to learn to make preparation for the next harvest. And this is where so many people fail. Because God blesses them in a good way and they like it so much that they just want to stay there in that moment forever. They don't ever want to move. They don't ever want to grow. They don't ever want to get stronger. They don't ever want to change their life. They don't want to ever add anything that will take them to a new place in faith. But listen, God hasn't called you to stay steady and to stay in the same place. He wants to mature you in your faith. You've heard it said that God will accept you any way that you need to come to Him. But you know the truth of that is, is that He will not leave you that way. Because He wants to grow you and mature you in your faith. The problem with so many people is, is that they get to a place where they're satisfied. And they stop sowing seed. Let me tell you something about the farmers that I grew up in southern Illinois with. They knew that if they didn't start preparing now for next year's harvest, that they would run out of time to get everything done. They did things that didn't make any sense to me. They would go around and they'd mow their fence lines as an example. Why did they do that? Because they wanted 
to be able to have access to their crops at any point. They didn't want to be held back because there were weeds and stalks that would prevent them from getting in. So they would mow their, their fence lines so that they could get in and out. They would take their tractors in and they would wash them and detail them and get all the mud and all the grime off of them. I came in on a guy named Joe Daly one day and he was up underneath one of his tractors and he was digging with a stick up underneath. And I said, Joe, what are you doing? And he said, there's a clump of dirt right up there in that place and I've got to get it out of there because if I don't get it out next year, it'll be stuck so hard. And when I try to turn the tractor and move the tractor as it should, I won't be able to do it because this will have set all winter long and gotten hardened in a place that needs to be free. And I thought to myself when he said that, I know what I'm going to preach about Sunday. I got some people in my church that need to get some sticks and start digging things out of their soul and out of their spirit. They've been stuck there for so long that they can't turn when they need to turn. They can't move when they need to move. They can't do what they need to do because something was left to harden in their soul. Let me tell you, those farmers, they'd start removing that, that dirt and that mud. And when they were done, their, their tractors were absolutely as clean as could be because they were anticipating that next year we're going to have an even better harvest than we have this year. They weren't satisfied with just the harvest that they had. They were thankful for it. They were glad for it. But they knew that the harvest was something that had to be generated every year of their life or there would come a season when there was no longer any provision because there was no harvest. Can I just say this as gently as I know how? Some of you have lost your joy for living for Jesus. Because you've stopped preparing for your next harvest. You've just kind of got satisfied with where you are. You've just kind of gotten satisfied with your devotions and, and with a short little prayer on your way to get your coffee. You're just satisfied a little bit with the relationships around you. you you've got everybody who will challenge you out of your life so that the only people around you are the ones that will just look at you and smile and say, whatever you want to do will be fine with me. Instead of somebody who says, well, I know that that's what you want to do, but the Word of God tells us that we should do this. And if the Word of God says we should do this, it may not be easy. It may not be the, the, the easiest thing you've ever done. But if you want to grow out of it, and if you want to become stronger, you're going to have to sow a different kind of seed than you ever sown before because God has a work to do in your life that He's never done before. Are you hearing me today? I'll tell you, I've been serving the Lord for a long time. I've been serving Him for years and years and years. And can I tell you that I'm still not satisfied. I still want everything that God has for me. 
I want him to bless me in ways that I can't I haven't even imagined yet. I haven't even been able to been able to get it in my mind yet what God wants to do for me. But I'll tell you what, I know that he's a good God uh, and out of his heart flows an abundance of blessing for his people and listen, if God has a blessing with my name written on it, I want to find out what seed I need to be sowing uh, so that that harvest will burst forth in my life. Somebody please say amen amen in the morning Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 6 says in the morning sow your seed and at the evening withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper this one or that one or whether both alike will be good what's he saying he's saying you need early to start planting the seed for the harvest that you're hoping to experience. He said, do it in the morning, and then when you go throughout your day, plant a little more seed over here. Plant a a little more seed over here in the evening. Why? Because you don't know which one's going to take and which one's not. You don't know which seed's going to break forth in the harvest and which one will die on the, on the wayside. And if you've only sown seed in one area of your life and it dies, then you will have no harvest. But you can sow seed in your life that will cover multitudes of realms in your life. My wife and I are at that age in life where we've had to think about things that we didn't know that we really would ever have to think about. We just, we just didn't realize it. But, you know, there's this thing called Social Security and, and Medicare and, and, and all of those kinds of things, and retirement and all that. I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't wait until this year to start building a retirement fund. Because how many of you know it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't grow that strong. You, you got to start. You young people, hear me and hear me well. If you're not sowing seed into a retirement fund or a, an IRA or something like that, start this week. So I don't have enough money. Even I, we have to eat pinto beans every day this week. I, I ate pinto beans twice this week and cornbread, and it was wonderful. And the money that I didn't spend on sirloin steak, I was able to put in my retirement fund. Why? Because there's a day coming when I may have to eat pinto beans every day of my life. But if that's the case, at least I'll be prepared for it. You know what I'm saying? Prepare for the future. Prepare for the harvest that you want to come into your life. And here's what he says. He says, don't withhold. You know, what if we just sowed a little seed here and then we say, well, boy, I'm tired now. I don't know if I can sow any more seed today. My hand's given out. Listen, if you have an opportunity to sow seed, whatever that looks like in your life, you need to sow that seed because you don't know which of that seed will take root and bring harvest. So you need to be prepared on many different fronts. The future belongs to the learners, not the knowers. In times of massive change, it's the learner who will inherit the earth while the learned stay elegantly tied to a world which no longer exists. 
Check that out. Look at it real close. What's it saying to us? It's saying that there should never be in a day in our lives when we don't learn something new. To learn something that we didn't know the day before. Because how many of you know this world is changing rapidly? It is changing massively. And there are days that we've just already accepted the change that has already taken hold. How many of you drive a car that has air conditioning in it? Can I see your hands? How many of you drive a car that has radial tires on it? Brand new tires, and I mean, it, it just it looks good. How many of you got a tire that, I mean, a car that has a moonroof in it and all that kind of thing? I, what I'm telling you is, is that things have changed. I've got stuff in my car that I just bought, and I bought a used car. It's a 2017. It's got stuff in it that I don't even know what it is. It's like I just look at it and lay hands on it and say, God, at some point when you think I need it, you're going to have to reveal to me what that thing is. Because I don't even know what it is. You know what I'm saying? We've got to prepare ourselves for the future. And the only way that we're going to do that is to learn things that will prepare us for the future. You say, well, I already know enough. I already know about this. I already know about that. But listen, I'm telling you, this world is changing. It's changing. Let me tell you, I started in ministry the weekend after my wife and I got married, we started doing ministry, and we will celebrate 45 years this month. So for almost 45 years, we've been doing ministry together. But let me tell you, ministry looks very different today than it did 45 years ago. It looks very different. And I could have been one of those old preachers that just said, well... Bless God, if it was good enough for Paul and Silas, it's good enough for me. But you know, there are new ways of doing things. I know people that they resent the change that has come to the church. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about church in general. They resent it. They just want to go back to the old, you know, wooden slap back pews and sit there and be in discomfort and no air conditioning and sawdust floors and surely God would move in a powerful way. Let me tell you, if God is limited to moving only in those places that have wooden slap back pews and sawdust on the floor and no air conditioning, then God is limited and will not be able to do much of anything in this world today. Let me tell you, it's okay to have padded chairs in the church house. It's okay to have carpeting on the floor in the church house. It's okay to have air conditioning in the church house, even though we have to keep re uh, replacing them about two a year, it seems like. It's okay to have television cameras in the church house. It's okay for us to do ministry in a way that will reach a modern and contemporary society. It is not the method that will make the difference it is the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified and we are able to prepare ourselves for the future that he has for us I don't I don't know how many years I have until I retire and people ask me that all the time I've actually considered never retiring 
I've just considered saying, listen, as long as I have breath in my body and the ability and the anointing of God, I'm just going to keep on preaching and keep on singing and keep on blessing the Lord for all the things He has done for me. I don't feel like I can give up on God. God has never given up on me. And I'm ready to give Him my best until the last breath that I have in this body. He knows what the future holds for me. But until then, let me tell you, I'm not going to rest on the laurels of what has happened in our church in the last 13 plus years. I'm thankful for what God has done. I'm thankful for the miracles that he has poured out upon our church. And I don't say that lightly. I can tell you there have been times that if it had not been for God, we would have not made it through the week. But every time we thought we were at a place where we couldn't make it another day, God somehow opened up the windows of heaven and poured out blessing upon this congregation and upon your lives in ways that we couldn't even anticipate or expect. And we are living today in the overflow of the harvest that God has poured out upon us. And I'm so thankful. So I want you to stand with me this morning.